You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Penny for your thoughts. I hate Brenda, and a bad guy hit me in the shin, and I peed all in my pants. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing a little music can't help. Rockin', rockin' and rollin'. This makes me so happy. <laughs> Down to the beach I'm strolling. But the seagulls poke in my head not. I said, she goes, mm, stop it now. Everyone told me not to stroll on that beach. Said, she goes, gonna come. Put me in the coconut. And they did. And they did. Had me going like, Hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul, and I am not an animal expert. I am Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. Today we are talking about the wonderful seagull, or gulls in general, but mostly people think of them as seagulls. And we are going to have a special guest to help us talk about it. So, first, here's a reminder to go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. And we are also on Twitter and Instagram at at Podcast, all one word, and varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. <laughs> if you like our show, please tell a friend about it because word to word is the very best way to help us grow. So let's go ahead over and talk about seagulls with our friend Clay Groves from the Fish Nerds podcast. Yay! Yay! Yay. Hey, Clay. Oh, how that's, that's me. I'm so excited. I can't even tell you guys. Like, I, there is no bigger Varmints fan than me. Since you're, since the beginning, I've been in love with your show, and and I'm so happy. I think I can't even tell you. My kids are going to be thrilled. Hi, Zoe. Hi, Sammy. I'm on the Varmints. Unreal. So fun. Varmints. Varmints. You have always been such a big supporter of our show, and I think me and Donna, you were the first show that we went on. Mm-hmm. To promote our podcast, you were you were. It. Well, I was lucky to have mm-hmm. you. Like I was thrilled way back then when we talked about the sea lampreys. You know that That's was so right. cool. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and you've always been so supportive of us, and we do appreciate it so 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 much. Um, what what is your relationship with seagulls like, Clay? Well, I'll tell you, seagulls. First of all, as you know, there's no bird called seagulls, which always makes me crazy, but. Gulls are the greatest. They're so good. They're such a great bird. First of all, like without gulls, think of all the trash be on the ground. They eat all the garbage, which is great. But also, 
when you're fishing, I'm a, I, make, I make a fishing podcast. I talk about fishing all the time. If you're out in the ocean, you're looking for fish, and you can't find them, the gulls can. So you look over. You see those gulls eating a bunch of fishes? Go fish where they are. They're telling you, come over here. Catch the fish. <laughs> you know they're the worst secret keepers <laughs> on the planet. They just tell you everything. You just follow them. It's great. I love them. Yeah. The other thing that's, the awesome. other thing that's great about gulls is if you go to the beach and your friend is sleeping, on the beach, get your Pringles can of chips and crumble them up and throw them on your friend. <laughs> That's the best. They, they entertain you for hours. They're the greatest. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a awesome. good friend. Yeah. I should have asked you to uh, tell everybody about your podcast and what it's about and what you do. Oh, I make a podcast about fish, fishing and eating fish. And it's it's not just targeted at fishers, it's targeted about all people who like talking about fish. We have everything from, from of course, fishing, but biology. We talk about books. We even talk to anti-fishers on the show. I had a guy on last week who made a case that fish have emotional feelings. And I heard him out, and I didn't argue with him, and uh, we had a great time. So it's it's a real fun <laughs> show, and I love making it. And um, I, you know, I was, I was even advertising on Devarmus for a while. I liked having my theme song on there. My kids love hearing it on your show, so that's why we did it. <laughs> yeah, we, we appreciate so that. Amazing. And it is a really, really fun show to listen to. I love it. Yes, so, it is. It's really fun. And our <laughs> listeners get a taste of that show in you guys' promo every now and then. Yep. And yeah. Paul and I just sit there and just sing to it because to us it sounds like the Violent Femmes did it. So, yes. <laughs> I love the Violet Femme, so that works out perfectly. Yeah, it's the guy who sings our theme song. His name is Wally Pleasant. And he wrote a. He, he, back in the 90s, he looked just like Morrissey. And he toured around playing f- uh-huh. folk music, but it was like funny folk songs. I was a huge fan. Uh-huh. And then he wrote a song called 101 Oyster Jokes. And. He wrote that book, and uh, and I found him and got him on the show. And then while I had him there, I said, "Wally, write me a theme song," and he did. And it's it's a just right there. Just, well, he that's went, fabulous. Not on the second, he went home and wrote it and then emailed it to me. But yeah, just by asking. Yeah, so that's well, I'll give it a ten. It's got a good beat. Yeah, you can dance to it. Yeah. Yep. Love it. All right, you guys ready to learn about seagulls? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hey, Hey. let's go get educated on some animals. I know you want (laughs) to. Well, today we are talking about gulls or seagulls. They are birds in the family Laridae. They're typically medium to large birds, usually gray or white, often with black markings on the head or wings. Gulls can be found along the coastlines of every continent, including the margins of Antarctica, and they're found in the high Arctic as well. This makes seagulls one of the most widespread bird families in the world. They've been around for about 30 million years now, and there are 50 species of seagulls. Now, I talked to my friend Susie Buttress. She's the host of the Casual Birder podcast. I told her we were doing a podcast about seagulls, and Susie's awesome. You can hear her on our Hummingbirds episode that she did with Donna. And she had this to say. She said, people frequently describe birds found at the beach as seagulls. They may also use the term to describe waders running on the seashore or terns dipping into the water for fish. There are many different species of gulls and other seagoing birds that get described under the umbrella term of seagulls. Some in the bird watching community get very upset 
If you describe such disparate species as seagulls, insisting that each species is correctly defined. If you are trying to educate someone about the finer points of plumage or behavior, knowing the species name is important, but just to enjoy seeing the bird itself, watching how they search for food, watching how they interact, listening to the calls, you don't need to know the species. So for the purposes of this episode, we're just going to use the term seagulls because that's what everybody calls them. Yep. We have them in Colorado, by the way. Oh, wow. Really? We have really? no sea here at all. So. Oh, that's crazy. It is. I imagine it's because they're a migratory bird. So. They are everywhere. We have like five different, six different species here. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. So male and female seagulls are called male and female seagulls. Babies are called chicks. A group of seagulls is called a flock. A flock of seagulls that might come up a little bit later on. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. A little foreshadowing. So the word gull takes its name from the Welsh word for the bird, which is gwylan. And uh, so that just became gull in English. And the term seagull has been around since 1540. So the W in Welsh is pronounced oo. Gulen? Not W. Gulen. Gulen. Yeah. Gulen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seagull. Yes. They're awesome. They are. And they're flappy and floaty and flyy. And they're cute. <laughs> and noisy. Yeah. And cute. Yeah. And noisy. And a pain in the butt. And they're great. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they're so cool. So, all right. What I wanted to talk about was they do the bird behavior which is that they have nursery flocks seagulls so basically all the babies get in their own little flock while the parents are all out hunting for food and bring back food and there's just a couple of gulls that are adult gulls that are in charge of looking over the babies and the babies learn they play and they learn how to mimic adult behaviors and they learn this way they learn how to do everything that they need to do to be an adult gull they just they learn how to fly and how to pick things apart and how to hop around and be crazy and hunt and all the things that they need to do when they're grown up and they do it all under the supervision of adult gulls which is pretty cool and you can see these pictures of these little nursery flocks and they're really funny little fuzzy little fuzzy little tiny gulls rocking rocking around the beach going <laughs> they're so funny so noisy. <laughs> they're so noisy <laughs> i can't i can't decide if baby gulls are cute or not i know the adults look pretty I but mean, the babies, I, uh, you know the babies have that bird thing, you know, where they don't really they don't really pretty up for a while and they just sort of look they're just adorable because they're so not finished yeah. yet. You can just kind of tell like, "Oh, you're so cute. You're so weird looking." So weird. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys actually seen baby seagulls like in the wild? Yeah. Like firsthand? Well, I mean in the city, yeah, but Okay. Yeah, sure. You know, I never I never have. Me, me neither. I'm not sure they exist now that you mention it. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not looking. That's true. <laughs> I live in the mountains. We, we don't have very many seagulls up our way. So. Well, I mean, we they nest at the reservoirs here. Oh, so yeah. I'm sure they're around. We're, yeah. yeah. You just have to keep your eyes open. I think mostly people just don't have their... They're not looking for baby birds. So. Yeah. Well, you know, so speaking of baby birds, so you know how like gulls are like super defensive of those baby birds, but... The they oh, the, yeah. the gulls they mate for life, so they 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 pick a partner and they stay with that partner. Call it monogamous. Um, although with birds, monogamy is not the same as human monogamy, or maybe it is. Uh, so they'll pick a partner for life, 
but then they they'll still sleep around, but they have that same partner. Yeah, they call that monogamy. Because, so I guess it's like people. Monogamy. Yeah, if there's a specific word for it, and I can't remember what it's it called is. It's called monogamy. You have a buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're monogamish. That's right. They, but that's what Dan Savage calls it. That's right. It. That's where, that's where I got that from. Uh oh. Now we know. Uh, <laughs> they they have a buddy. They're like ravens. Mm-hmm. They have a they have a buddy that they hang with for the rest of their life that tell, helps take care of their babies and stuff. But they, you know, they run into some other birds. They they you know. Yeah. They nest around so. It keeps their genetic complexity up. It's important. Did you did you read about gull divorce? Gulls get divorced from that mate sometimes? I did not read about that. Oh, wow. What's that like? If they can't produce a healthy chick, you know, they get together and they say, you know, this is not about you. Mom and dad still love you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but then they split up and and try to find a more desirable mate. But But there's almost a stigma amongst the colony of of uh of, of gulls is a divorce stigma and so a previously made a bird could be seen as less desirable for several nesting seasons after splitting from partners so it might take two or three seasons before they get a new partner because wow they have to learn how to date again you know well i was also <laughs> reading how a lot of them a lot of gull species don't breed until they're four or five years old so to me it's really pretty surprising that there's so many of them so you know right because it has to be pretty dangerous to be a baby bird, so. Well, because they're delicious. Interesting stuff. Yeah, everything eats them. <laughs> everything eats them. Mm. The peel and eat shrimp of the air. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So a great thing about uh, gulls and a lot of birds can do this is they can drink either fresh or salt water. So like if if humans, you know, all the kids listening, Zoe and Sam especially, don't drink the ocean water. You'll get scurvy. Uh, but the but the birds, <laughs> the gulls, don't get scurvy. Uh, they prefer fresh water, but they have a special salt gland above their eyes that helps regulate the ion and electrolyte balance in their blood. So excess salt is excluded through their nares, which is in their nose. They just blow salt right out of their nose. They're always flying around going, honk, and, no, and salt sprays right out. So, and many other seabirds, including <laughs> albatross, petrels, shearwaters, also have the same gland and can drink salt water. People tend to think of seagulls as thieves, right? And they're not wrong. The scientific term for the way seagulls feed is kleptoparasitism. What a great sound. Yeah. The like prefix that. klepto is Greek and it means steal or thief. Of course. <laughs> per- yep. Yeah. Like a kleptomaniac. Yeah. And parasitism is the relationship between two species of plants or animals in which one benefits at the expense of the other. Kleptoparasitism is not exclusive to seagulls. There are several species of birds and animals that feed themselves this way. And it's not the only way seagulls eat. They also forage, especially younger seagulls. So younger seagulls will forage for insects and worms because they can't really identify hosts with food as accurately as older, more experienced birds. And this is why you don't really see baby seagulls all that often unless you are Donna. <laughs> then you can focus on them. I didn't say I see them all the time. Always. I just have seen them. So. You have seen them. I have never <laughs> seen them. Yeah. When they start engaging in kleptoparasitic behavior, they'll go after groups of potential hosts rather than just one because the odds are better of them getting food. A successful adult kleptoparasite in the wild must select appropriate hosts, anticipate escape attempts, adjust the angle of attack, and consider wind conditions. For a kleptoparasite to make such critical decisions at each attempt of theft, it requires more and more complex cognitive abilities, 
and a large, complex enough brain to support them than non-kleptoparasites. So seagulls have to be very, very quick learners to stay fed, and they will develop strategies to do that in the wild or in urban environments where they steal Doritos from a convenience store or wait until you have your back turned to grab your corn dog. Gulls will learn kleptoparasitism at a much greater rate in urban environments, which should be no surprise. <laughs> a study was done in England. Field observations were conducted at Brancaster, which is a coastal rural area, and Billingsgate Market, which is an urban environment, to examine differences in the rate of kleptoparasitism in mixed species of flocks of gulls. Four key variables, which were prey size, population density, season, and species were assessed as predictors of kleptoparasitism. The urban seagulls, how do you think they did? Well, I don't know, probably really well. They did a whole lot better than the seagulls in the wild because it's a heck of a lot easier to steal a corn dog than it is to try to steal a fish from an osprey. So urban seagulls range shrinks because they don't have to travel very far at all. So you wind up with these little coastal areas full of people and chock full of seagulls. People, they often think that seagulls are jerks. And the whole takeaway from this is that we made them that way. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop making food so easy for them and you won't have a problem. <laughs> well, I think we talked to Dr. Seth a couple episodes ago about how we're creating this huge city. We're creating, we're turning the world into a huge city. So we sort of need to expect this sort of thing. Yeah. And seagulls are really smart and they know that they don't, they, they don't have to work hard if they don't have to. They work smart. That's right. And you almost really have to admire them for that. Uh, yeah. That intelligence. Oh, come on, guys. They're, you know, this is evolution in the win category. This is like, <laughs> we can do anything, live anywhere, throw whatever you want at us. It doesn't matter. We're going to make it. <laughs> yeah. No, seagulls are a perfect example of that. Disclaimer time. The Farmers Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. So I think this was the biggest surprise for me, is that seagulls are really, like, almost Corvid-level smart. Hmm. Yeah, they are pretty smart. Yeah, I maybe I don't give enough credit. They're really good at opening candy wrappers. <laughs> but if you're so smart, when you find a small food source, do you tell everybody about it, or do you take it? Yeah, but they're not telling you about it. They're just behaving, and you're being a giant pink monkey and drawing they're conclusions all from their that. Friends. So they they're telling their friends. Yeah, so they see. They're not food, telling you. There's like one bite of food, and they start screaming, ah, 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 and then they then all their friends come and they fight over it. Yeah, but you are imagining that you're in their world at all. Well, yeah, and they're not. Well, I have to so, imagine that because we're know. trying to decide they're smart, <laughs> and so that's the game yeah. we're playing. <laughs> So yeah. what, what choice do I have? <laughs> yeah, well, no, you have no choice. I'm just saying they don't realize that they're communicating to you. You're not the intended recipient of the message. No, but why are they so. telling their own friends? <laughs> like the, all the other seagulls. Because it's a better strategy than not telling them, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, evolutionarily speaking, it would. that's how it worked out. I know. It's, that's how there were more seagulls. Yeah. So I don't. It doesn't make sense to me. But I, I was I was originally coming in on a low intelligence because of that and because of their minor annoyances. But now, because of yeah, be, me too. Because of the kleptoparatism, I'm I'm rethinking that. I'm, I came in at a four originally, but now I'm coming up to about a six 
I think they're smarter than There's I give them credit for. There's also that thing of intelligence being an emergent property. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to wonder if there's another level of intelligence, like on the flock level, you know? Oh, yeah. That particular lecture that I watched has been sort of keeping me awake at oh, night no. a lot. So <laughs> just rethinking everything in my universe. And Well, I tell you what, I saw a video of a seagull outside of a convenience store waiting for just the right moment to go in and grab a a bag of Doritos off the shelf and then get out before he could get caught. I saw that. I've seen that video. Yeah. Yep. They're smarty pants little smarty birds. They are smarty pants birds. I've seen them opening like a Snickers bar, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just like, were like, zip. Break it up. Here's the candy. Nom, 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 nom. Delicious. <laughs> I would have thought chocolate would be bad for birds, but apparently that doesn't even bother them. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we are gonna we are gonna talk about seagulls and pop culture and a couple other things. <laughs> but we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that right after this. Hey, do you want to sing along to your song, Clay? Yeah. Because we have fun singing along to it. Do you want to just sing along? I don't even know the words. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong? Do you know with all you? the words, Donna? I don't know. I, I don't know if I know all the when you're There's out only like in the ocean months. casting nets. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, here we go. We'll just sing right. along as we as I'll we sing, sing if I remember. Me too. It. All right. <laughs> Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, your ankles, ankles wet, 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 or deep in the ocean, casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like, like your cyan. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. It is a podcast. There's no Ooh. such thing as Siam anymore, by I the know, way. but it sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I didn't write it. I just like it. <laughs> uh, it made me laugh. Oh. <laughs> It's Susie here from the Casual Birder Podcast. I love Susie. Hey, Susie. I love watching birds, whether it's those that visit my garden or ones that I see when travelling. Bird watching is a great pastime. It can be done with others or alone. You don't need expensive equipment. Your eyes or ears are enough. And best of all, it doesn't need any great commitment. The Casual Birder does as much or as little birding as suits them. Join me each week to hear about the birds I've seen, interviews with others, and stories from listeners around the world. The Casual Birder Podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there everyone, Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you, and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. So my first pick for pop culture is a clip from the movie Finding Nemo. Yay! All right, Gerald, what is it? Fish got your tongue? <laughs> I gotta find my son, Nemo! <gasps> Nemo? Hey, 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 he's that fish! You know the one we've been talking about, the one that's been fighting the whole ocean. Hey, I know where your son is. Huh? Hey, wait! The come back! Stop! Keep going! He's crazy! I got something to tell ya! Mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, don't make any sudden moves inside my mouth if you want to live. Up in your mouth, huh? And how does that make me live? Mine? Because <laughs> I can take you to your son. Yeah, right. Oh, I know your son. He's orange. He's got a gimpy fin on one side. That's me! <laughs> <laughs> So those, of course, are the seagulls in the American computer animated feature film Finding Nemo, mm-hmm. which was produced by Pixar Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Films in 2003. That movie is already 16 years old. Wow. It's crazy. The film has a 99% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 100% rating here in my house. Mm-hmm. Yep. The seagulls are known as tertiary protagonists. That means they're just a really annoying pain in the butt character. <laughs> but they're not bad guys <laughs> they're not bad guys they're just kind of a pain in the butt the only word they say as you heard is mine over and over again it's perfect yep they first appear in the clip that you just heard and at the end of the movie when dory and nemo were trying to get information out of a crab about where they saw marlin and they lift the crab up out of the water to feed him to the seagulls if he didn't answer Andrew Stanton, who is a director, screenwriter, and producer at Pixar, as well as being a voice actor, can be heard in this movie and in nearly every Pixar movie. In Finding Nemo, he provided the voice for Crush the Turtle, which my daughter and I talked about in our Sea Turtles episode, and the voice of the seagulls. Nice. One little fun fact, in the Polish dub of the movie, the seagulls don't say mine. They say what sounds to us like, die, die, die. Oh no. Ha! That's awful. But that's not what it means in Polish. No, no. The Polish word give sounds a whole lot like the word die in English, but it's still Ah. amusing to to hear them go, die, die, die. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. Clay, what did you have for pop culture this week? Uh, Well, the first thing I thought of was Finding Nemo, of course. Uh, But then I started thinking about what movie freaked me out as a kid was Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds. And if you've watched that movie, in the very first opening scene, the first attack was by a gull. And then, of course... Yep. Oh, I did not yeah, know that. Yes, yeah, it just, just draws a little bit of blood. And no one thinks much of it at first. And then, crazy happens. So it's a horror film. Yeah. Ah. Mm-hmm. She's motoring up to the dock right in this clip. And they're waving her in. I forget the actress's name. There it is. That would be the goal. Yep. You all right? Yes, I think so. What do you suppose me to do that? That's the damnest thing I ever saw. I don't know. It seemed to swoop down at you deliberately. Oh, you're bleeding, too. Let's take care of that. 
Okay? That's the girl. That's the gull. That's the gull, uh-huh. yeah. Now, it's the sound of that gull <laughs> sounds nothing like a gull I've ever heard. It sounded, it sounded crow-like to me. Oh, yeah. What happened, Mitch? Gull hitter. A gull? <laughs> a gull? <laughs> Golly! <laughs> Do you know I've never seen that movie? Oh, you should totally watch it. I It'll should. make you afraid of going to the ocean. <laughs> well, I mean, Jaws didn't do that, so I can't imagine that the birds will. Uh, those horror movies from that time are not, I mean, they're not no. that. They're pretty deal. wild. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's still fun to watch yeah, them. Yeah, they're scary back in the day, but now, like, meh. I mean, I can handle them, and I cannot take right, horror Well, you're movies, tougher so. than you think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have nightmares for weeks. But you know what doesn't give me nightmares? An amazing 80s band called A Flock of Seagulls. Yes, yes. I'm going to very briefly talk about A a Flock of Seagulls. A Sock of Seagulls? Sounds terrible. Not a sock of seagulls. A Flock of Seagulls are an English new wave synth pop band originally formed in 1980 in Liverpool by Mike Score, who did lead vocals and keyboards. His brother, Alistair, and a guy, he was on drums, and Francis Lee Maudsley on bass, and their most famous lineup consisted of the Score Brothers Maudsley and their lead guitarist Paul Reynolds. That's the guy with the giant glasses that yes. you see in the videos. They basically had some pretty good mainstream success. It's interesting to me that they recorded their first record, their first radio sessions for John Peel's Radio 1 in 1981, and that's how they got their um, recording contract through through that that's really important for music nerds. The Peel sessions are really, really important for all music at that time in England. So, under the management of Harry Maguire, Tommy Crossan, and Mick Rossi, all directors of Checkmount Limited, they began to re- release singles through Jive Records, and they reduced their debut single, "Talking," which I didn't clip, but it's pretty good, on Bill, Nace- Bill Nelson's Cocteau label. And then they were signed to a major label, Jive, and distributed through CBS Records, where they released their second single, Telecommunication, which we will listen to a little bit of that. And they basically were a big club hit. They had all sorts of just top songs in the first couple of years of their existence. And then Memorial Day weekend of Saturday, uh, 28th of May, 1983, rolled around and they performed at the U.S. Festival with Boingo Boingo, Men at Work, and some others. And they released a few more singles and then they went bust. Bust. (laughs) (laughs) They reformed in 1988 with a little bit of a new lineup and... Nothing they did in the 90s really went anywhere, so we're not going to talk too much about that. And they have gotten back together recently to produce sort of a legacy album. And they are together with the Prague Philharmonic recording all of their major hits. So we're just going to let that go. I'm just going to say they weren't musically all that influential. They're just memorable as far as... How much they changed music, probably not very much. Did they do anything too original? Not really. But it doesn't matter because they meant a whole lot to a whole generation of teenagers, including myself at the time. I will say this music is not complicated. It is not have a, it doesn't have a massive dynamic range. It doesn't have a lot of very challenging keys. (laughs) It's... (laughs) 
It's really basic stuff, but it's really fun to play. If you're just a band that's learning how to play together, this is perfect. Our, our little kid high school band, garage band, we learned how to play a lot of their songs together, especially Space Age Love Song, which we love playing. Oh, love that song. That's my favorite one of theirs. Yep, they've. Uh, I think it's probably my favorite too. Although I gotta say, I like um, I like wishing a lot as well, which which is one of the only minor key type ones that I can think of. So, whatever. Let's listen to a little bit of Flock of Seagulls. Turn on the '80s thing, '80s Flock of Seagulls clip, and we'll just listen for a little while and talk. <laughs> So, Casio. <laughs> I am now configuring my hair into a Mike Score, Flock of Seagulls, iconic haircut. I feel like I need a keytar. <laughs> I don't think they had I a keytar. I had a really short, spiky blonde hairdo and a long tail. Oh, yeah. Everybody's going to be surprised how many of these songs they remember. I don't know this song at all. Maybe it hasn't got to the hook yet. I am dancing, <laughs> You'll find out. Oh, this is the song right here. Oh, I like it. This, this is, is the, the one, one everybody that... knows. Yep. This is the one that put him over. And the video is still great. Like, if you watch the video. It's so cheap and cheesy and fun. And it holds up. The song holds up, the video holds up, all of it. Another really fun song to play. <laughs> so Do you remember his oh. crazy back comb haircut? I'm putting all 15 of my swatch watches on right now. Now this, all this craziness at the top is supposed to sound like a flock of seagulls, and it kind of does. It's going to get faster. That's right. I want to bite my bottom lip and dance. There it is. Do it. I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) This reminds me of uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. This was on one of the uh, the radio stations. Yeah. I know this song. Oh my gosh, so Finally. fun. So many memories. <laughs> I want to go roller skating. I remember dancing to this in the teen club. These poor guys, they're all bald as a, as a billiard ball these days. <laughs> <laughs> 
No. Couldn't get away. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. This is my song right here. This my favorite one. song. Yeah. I think they have like one guitar track and they just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two brothers, uh, Mike and Alistair, they hated each other for a while. But, oh, yeah. They would. play guitar. I'm telling you, this stuff is very, very fun. <laughs> it is because you're just learning how to do it. It's really simple and really fun. I haven't played guitar for like 20 years, but it was, it was good. I've never heard this song. Really? This was very yeah. popular. I don't love it. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> you don't love it. What's no. wrong with you? <laughs> were you not a kid ever? Did you like just were you born forty or something? I was a kid in the '80s. I liked nerd rock. I didn't like this stuff. Well, I would have talked to you anyway. I was friends with all the dirt, all the clicks. So yeah, I was never cool. <laughs> I was alternate I, cool. I wasn't like popular kid cool. Oh, I was a juggler and a magician in high school. I was far from cool. <laughs> I was a I was a little new waver and then a goth and I was very very popular kid in school in I high bet. school. <laughs> in high school, no other oh, time in my life have I been popular, but I was a very popular kid at that time. <laughs> oh, such a good time. Brings back so many happy memories. Mummy, what's for dinner? It's the elbow of a snake. <laughs> Mummy, I can't eat that. Well, would you eat that? Okay, Clay, I'm a little worried because you said that you had a recipe for seagull. Well, yeah, so I was thinking about this and, and I thought, you know, People must have been eating these over the years, right? They're so, such a common animal, so somebody must eat it. So the question is, you know, would you eat this? You, you know, you asked in the notes, would you eat this animal? I'm thinking, you know, I probably would. And first of all, eggs I would eat no problem. If I was hadn't eat eggs or eggs, right? But then I went online. I found a great sure. recipe for for the gulls. And this is an old okay. an old recipe from back in the, you know, old wooden ships days. So here's the actual text of the recipe dispose of a seagull feathers beak feet and entrails let them soak for 12 hours in seawater discard the water repeat three times season the seagull with a handful of sea salt bay leaf mint basil etc let the gull three hours shimmering in a broth with fresh herbs <laughs> okay throw the pan overboard because you'll never get rid of the dirty seagull taste throw subsequently <laughs> overboard the gull so there's the recipe I found. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <coughs> I 
My nephew actually calls them sea chickens. Sea chickens. Ha ha ha. That's awesome. He really does. I think they're probably so full of parasites I wouldn't touch them with a 10-foot pole, but that's just me. Oh. Yeah. If parasites keep you from eating food, you'll have a hard time eating food. <laughs> well, I mean, everything. we clean them up, so... Right. You know. Right, you just cook, cook your food and the parasites go away. Well, it depends. I mean, there's... Don't eat raw gulls. That's my <laughs> motto. <laughs> Mama always said that ponies can't dream. <laughs> yeah, well, I heard that dogs are made of rope. Our animalologists have been working tirelessly at your local library to combat misinformation and bring you this edition of Animal Fact of the Week. All right, so this isn't really a fact of the week so much as it is a, uh, a news item, but we didn't really do news at the top of the show, and I did not want to leave this out, so I have to talk about it. So Transport for London is a local government body responsible for the transport system in Greater London. And they're having a bit of a problem right now. One traffic camera in particular keeps getting photobombed by two <laughs> seagulls. Either one seagull or the other keeps returning to just in front of the traffic camera looking straight into it and blocking the camera's view of the traffic below. So the Transport for London has a really good attitude toward them, really good sense of humor, so they tweet photos and even a video of their favorite traffic reporter. In fact, in one of the photos, the seagull is seen bringing a friend along, and so the Transport for London has nicknamed them Steve and Graham. It's good names. Yeah, Steve is perfect. <laughs> a video of one of the seagulls in front of the traffic camera was put on Twitter where it got around 27,000 retweets and 79,000 likes, including mine. That was wonderful. I just love their names. Like they're just like normal names. Hey, hey, that's Steve. Confess <laughs> <Just> and Graham. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it when people give their pets just ordinary names. I have a friend with a cat named Kevin, and like that's just like the perfect, like, perfect name for an animal. Well, it's funny because education, animal education, used to be like don't anthropomorphize, don't put human feelings on the animals. But it, now it's trending in the opposite direction. We're finding if we connect with animals better, we, we're nicer to them. So it's okay. Right. Ke call your cat Kevin. Call your gull Steve and Graham. We're all going to be fine. Yeah. 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 Before people start calling him like Gull McGullface. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name, too. <laughs> um, so I wanted to just talk about, you know, Gulls can be kind of pests sometimes, and mm -hmm. sometimes they can poop on a lot of stuff and rip up stuff and do a lot of damage on your property. So how do you get rid of them? What do you think the answer is? Cannons. <laughs> nope. Uh, you better not do anything <laughs> yourself. My, my cat just said, shut up. <laughs> that was what that meow was. She wasn't commenting on what you said because she can't hear you. What she was saying was, shut up. You're being too loud and I'm trying to take a nap. <laughs> so if you want to get gulls off your property, you need to call a professional pest control company because gulls really? are migratory birds and that means that they are federally protected. And if you shoot one, you could be in a whole lot of trouble. I know it seems a little weird because there's so many of them, but that is 
You cannot do it yourself. They are protected animals, so you need to call a professional. The professionals will come out with uh, net traps and things like that and get them off your property. And basically, there's in some areas where people have this a lot of the time, they just every year have people come in and, and move the birds out. And wow. once you move their nests, it pretty much takes care of the problem for the season. But you have to have somebody come in and do that. Don't do it yourself. You will get in a lot of trouble. Well, okay, so no cannons. No cannons. No, I, I, I took notes. I wrote yeah. that down. Write it down. N-O-C-O-N-C-A-N-N-O-N-S. No cannons. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> well, it's funny. I used to do work with seagulls, with seagulls, with, with actually terns, which are in the gull family. Right. They say that was, uh, uh, but anyway, so Arctic terns in New England are endangered. And so off the coast of New England, we have these islands, islands called the Isles of Shoals, which is prime nesting spots for the Arctic terns, the endangered Arctic tern. And the marine laboratories out there are trying to attract these terns to come in. So they have these giant... Back in the 90s, it was giant tape decks, like reel-to-reels, playing the sounds of these turns. Um, you know, I don't forget what noise they make, like, mine, mine, or whatever we heard before. But, <laughs> but they do this sound to attract them in. But turns like to nest in big colonies, as we know, all the gulls nest in colonies. But there wasn't enough turns to build a colony. So I spent a summer building models of Arctic turns out of two-by-fours and scrap wood and painting them the gray and the white color. And... And we put them all over the islands to attract the Arctic terns because they they're not that maybe they're not as smart as the other gulls. These ones would be a four, not a seven, because they would fly <laughs> in, see the wooden models of these terns, and they would nest next to these wooden models because they have the sound and visually it was appealing because there's other terns already there. And they still do that. They still put model terns out to attract more of them. That's really cool, though. Yeah. Wildlife management is amazing. It is, and the fact that anyone figures that out, like. How come they won't come? I don't know. Maybe you should make a model of a, ma- of a mama turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it works. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. Why yeah, not? Dumb ideas. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a dumb idea. Nobody would ever do this. But let's put some yeah. fake goals out there to see if it'll... Yeah, let's try it. Why not? You know? Yep. Add, add a little lipstick and you're in. Yeah. It sounds, <laughs> sounds like you were, you know, like a fairly cheap thing to try so why not right yeah and yeah. it worked so yeah there wow, it is. that's Fake great that's, that's awesome. awesome yeah clay please tell everybody where they can find your podcast you could find my podcast anywhere you currently get podcasts so go to or my website fishnerds.com and we just uh, got approved for pandora so we will truly be everywhere starting as soon as pandora rolls their stuff over so all the places it's fish nerds yeah it's a lot of fun fish nerds is a lot of fun yeah, it is. Thank you. <laughs> and we love you guys. <laughs> oh, man, we love you, too. We have a great time with your show. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening. This podcast has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo. Bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. And our vocal talent was Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Jennifer Chomo, Stacy and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago. Brisky Cawthon dumps potato chips on her friends at the beach. Okay, now it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat eight years of age or younger and you want them to be on our podcast, give us a little ring at varmanspodcast.gmail.com uh, or contest us, contact us on Facebook and we will get them on the show. It's very, very easy and a lot of fun for us, I can tell you. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Who's our Rugrat this week? Our Rugrat this week is Sammy. Sammy has something to say about seagulls. Woohoo! Hi, I'm Zoe, Chief Kid Correspondent from the Fish Nerd Podcast. I'm here with Sammy, who is nine, to talk about gulls. Hey, Sammy, tell me, what does a gull look like? A gull has... So it's white, and then it has, like, a gray head, and it has orange feet. Do you know what gulls eat? Um, people at the beach is food and fish. And pizza. Would you eat a gull? I would not eat a gull. Can you tell me anything else about gulls? They live near the beach. And they definitely like to take people's food. Definitely. Do they fly? Of course they fly. All right. Thanks, Sammy. Bye. Bye, Farmans. And we'll put it right in this spot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Sammy. Thanks, Sam. Yay, thanks, Sammy. <laughs> that was awesome. Sammy's father is this guy named Clay, and he has a podcast called Fish Nerds, and it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, again for listening. And until next time, be nice to animals. Yes, you know you want to. (laughs) You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.